Welcome to RevMD, a podcast created for healthcare professionals by healthcare professionals. We will share tips on medical billing and coding, as well as workflow optimization to help practices succeed, thrive, and grow revenue. This week, we're going to touch on details around Modifier 25. This is timely because come July of this year, some of the major payers are asking for clinical documentation to accept this type of modifier, meaning your office or your billers are going to need to send this in with the claim. As many of you already know, the use of modifiers requires knowledge and can be a common reason for denials and underpayment in your practice. You want to make sure that the modifier is billed on the correct day, on the correct CPT code, and with sufficient documentation in the clinical note. If you're tracking your cleans claims rates, which I hope everybody is, and your denial rates, you can actually see which ones are related to modifier issues. And if you're having issues, it may be time for an audit or a certified coder to help at least temporarily uh, so that they can check on your coding uh, depending on the complexity of your practice. Please also make sure that your billers, whether they're in-house or outsourced, are staying on top of changing regulation, because like I mentioned, come July, clinical documentation for this modifier is going to be required from some payers. So now we're going to start with the basics. What are CPT modifiers? Because I haven't done a podcast yet on modifiers, I'll start with the basics and then get more detailed around the specifics and examples on modifier 25. So simply put, it is either a two-letter or two-number code that will modify a service or procedure so that you can get reimbursed under specific circumstances that would normally not be paid. These codes add information to help describe the clinical procedural condition that qualifies it for reimbursement without actually changing the CPT code. Now, there is a long list of modifiers, and today, again, like I said, I'm just going to be going over modifier 25, though if you do have specific questions regarding other modifiers, don't hesitate to email us at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com, and we'll be happy to create a podcast or send over anything that can help your team. First, we're going to talk about where your team can go to determine if you're allowed to use modifiers or not. The Medicare National Correct Coding Initiative, or NCCI, helps outline these regulations. So they are updated quarterly, and you can actually download an Excel document where you can see a column for CPT codes and a column which is labeled as CCMI, and will show one of three numbers, either a zero, a one, or a nine. These numbers actually will indicate whether or not you can use a modifier or not. CCMI0 basically indicates that it should never be reported together and don't use the modifier. CCMI1 means that it can be reported under, under certain circumstances, and that's when you can use the modifier. And then CCMI9 basically means it doesn't apply. So again, I'm not expecting physicians to understand all the nuances here, but you should have a general understanding of what it takes for codes to be used appropriately and where your team can find these edits or what your billers are doing when it comes to making sure that these claims go through. So now we're going to dive a little bit more into detail on modifier 25. So modifier 25 is defined and used when there is a significant and separately identifiable evaluation and management service 
by the same physician on the same day of the procedure or service. This is typically only appended to an evaluation in a management code and only used when the services are provided by the same physician to the same patient on the same day as another procedure or service. And if you're not used to this code, I'll give you a lot of examples to really understand when this makes sense. There are two kind of common examples of when you may need to use modifier 25. This could be a situation where you have a visit in the office and now need to go do a minor procedure and want to call that out as a separately reimbursable event, which we'll go into more detail of some examples, or say you're doing a preventative visit and there's a specific reason why, why now you're having to transition and manage an issue or problem um, through an ENM service code. So first we'll talk a few examples on office procedures. Remember that it's critical that the medical chart clearly outlines that the procedure was necessary, significant, and separately identifiable beyond what the ENM service pr- was provided. So let's do an example. Say there's an established patient which is seen for periodic follow-up for hypertension and diabetes. During the visit, the patient asks the physician to address right knee pain, which developed after recent yard work. The physician then performs a problem-focused history and exam of the patient's hypertension and diabetes, so that's dealt with, and then adjusted any medications as necessary. And then the physician evaluated the knee and decides to perform an arthrocentesis. So the codes for this would be the 99212, which would have the 25 modifier on it, and then the 20610 for the arthrocentesis. And specifically, the reason why you were able to do that is that the evaluation of the knee problem is included in the arthrocentesis reimbursement. The presenting problem for the visit was other than the knee problem, right? So a separate evaluation of the hypertension and diabetes was performed, and those would have been done had the knee problem not exist, making them use of the modifier 25. Let's do another example. Say you have an established patient that is seen for a finger laceration, which is then closed with a simple repair. The patient also asks the physician to evaluate sinus problems, which is addressed with an expanded problem-focused history and exam with low medical decision-making. So again, that's going to be a 99213 with a modifier 25, and then the 12001 for repair of the finger laceration. So as we see here, right, the patient presented to the provider with two problems. A surgical procedure was performed and a separate EM service was performed to address the second problem. The visit notes have to clearly document the assessment and treatment of the two problems separately so you can use the modifier 25 appropriately. We'll do one more example. A new patient presents with head trauma, loss of consciousness at the scene, and a 4.2 centimeter scalp laceration. The physician determines the laceration requires sutures, then confirms the allergy and immunization status, obtains informed consent, and performs a simple repair. Now, due to the loss of consciousness, the physician also performs a full neurological exam with an expanded problem-focused history, expanded problem-focused exam, and had medical decision-making of the low complexity. Therefore, since it was a new patient, this is a 99202, but you can add the 25 modifier because you also had the 
1002 for the scalp laceration. The possible neurological damage from the head trauma extended beyond the laceration, which was repaired and billed under the 12002. Now, the full neuro exam history and medical decision making outside of the laceration issues are separate and distinct significantly enough that you can use the modifier 25 as long. We'll briefly talk about another common reason to use a modifier 25. For example, when you're seeing a patient for a preventative service, so again, those are CPTs 99381 through 99397, and you need to report it with one problem-oriented E&M service. And this can be appropriate if in the following circumstances. So say you have a patient that you're in the process of performing a preventative examination and a pre-existing problem is addressed or an abnormality is encountered, and the problem or abnormality is significant enough to require additional work that then leads to components of a problem-oriented E&M service, such as 99211 through 99215, you'll then use the modifier 25 for separate reimbursement in addition to the preventative service. Of course, it's always about documentation, so you need to make sure that you have enough notes in the clinical chart in order to qualify this. When a re- preventative service is reported in combination with a problem-oriented ENM service, the visit documentation has to be able to indicate that there's a separate history, exam, and outline the medical decision-making components related to the ENM service. Remember, no portion of the preventative service documentation may be used to support the problem-oriented ENM code selected. Those have to be separate. Please note that for some patients with Medicare Advantage, there are different rules, and so we want to make sure that your billing team recognizes this and codes appropriately. Let's now talk about certain situations when using a modifier 25 is not appropriate. Circumstances include when billing for services performed during a post-operative period, Or say you have a patient where a minimal procedure is performed that is not significant or separately identifiable, or if only an E&M service is provided and no other procedure is performed. These are the types of circumstances where you're not going to want to add that modifier 25 to the E&M service. So some patient examples of this include an established patient who, say, returns to the orthopedic physician with escalating right knee pain six months post a series of hyaluronic injections. After evaluating the knee and the patient's medical suitability for the procedures, the physician determines a second series of injections is needed and then performs the first of the three intraarticular injections. Now, you would not add a, an ENM service with a modifier 25. You would only be able to code the 20610. And This is because the focus of the visit is related to the knee pain, which precipitated the injection procedure. The evaluation of the knee pain and the patient's medical uh, suitability for the procedure is included in the injection procedure, right? They're not separately identifiable. Another example is, so say we have a, a patient who presents with complaint of multiple skin lesions on her arms. The physician determines they are actinic keratosis and recommends removal. Informed consent was performed, and a total of 12 lesions were removed with cryosurgery. 
So the correct code for this is just the 17110. The office visit is considered part of the surgery service and therefore not separately reimbursable. The use of modifier 25 is not appropriate because the E&M service did not go above and beyond the usual preoperative service. Also, since 17110 has a global period of 10 days, the decision for surgery E&M services on the same day of service as the minor surgical procedure are not eligible to be reported with a modifier 557 either and are included in the payment for this surgery procedure. Let's go over another example. Say we have a new patient who was hit by a falling icicle and presents with a two centimeter laceration of the forehead. Physician determines the laceration requires sutures, confirms the allergy and immunization status, obtains informed consent, and performs the repair. No loss of consciousness was reported by those at the scene, and the patient reports no dizziness or blurred vision. So the physician does not perform a full full neurological exam. So for this, the correct code is just going to be that repair, right? The 12051. The physician is not concerned about possible neurological damage based on the information supplied, so no full neurological exam was performed. Now recognize that the additional exam questions related to trying to identify if there was loss of consciousness are not separately identifiable and significant, and therefore an ENM service extending beyond the laceration is not appropriate. So you're not going to add another ENM service code with a modifier 25 for this case. The last example is a patient who returns to the office to review the results of the MRI of the left elbow. The results of the MRI were reviewed and treatment options were discussed. The physician then discusses with the patients regarding diagnostics as well as therapeutic options, including a corticosteroid injection. The patient elected to proceed with the injection, which was then performed. So the correct CPT code for this is just regarding the injection. That's the 20605. It would not be appropriate to build the ENM visit with the modifier 25 because the focus of the visit is related to the elbow pain, which precipitated the injection, of course. The evaluation of the elbow MRI results and the patient's medical suitability for the injection, discussion of treatment options, risks, benefits, etc., are all included in the injection procedure reimbursement. So you can see now we've been able to give a couple of examples for both when we can use the modifier 25 and when we really shouldn't use a modifier 25 on an E&M service. This is really critical for your office to understand, for you to understand so that we're coding appropriately and not dealing with timely denials or not capturing the revenue that you deserve. As I mentioned earlier, as of July, Anthem and others will implement steps to review claims for ENM services submitted by providers when a modifier 25 is being utilized. Therefore, it's really important for the office to send in that clinical comp- uh, clinical documentation ahead of time. Based on the review of the submitted claim information, if the problem-oriented ENM service is determined not to be significant, and separately identifiable, remember that's the key here, significant and separately identifiable from the preventative service, the problem-oriented EM service, E&M service will then be bundled and they won't accept the modifier 25. So this ends our discussion this week on modifier 25. Hopefully this helps identify areas where you can code appropriately and really get the revenue you deserve or avoid any sort of timely denial processes. 
We certainly understand how it feels to deal with this process. We understand the complexities around insurance companies and denials and reimbursement. None of it is easy. And so if your team is frustrated with the lack of reliable claims data from your current billing team, you really may be missing out on critical information that helps you manage your practice. So please take a look at your metrics. Please meet meet with your billers. And again, if they're unwilling or unable to do that, please reach out. We're happy to help. We hope you find this information informative, and if so, please share with a friend. Thanks for joining today. We are starting a movement. If healthcare professionals understand the complexities of medical billing and insurance reimbursement, we can be advocates for our patients and grow our own revenue. If you like this podcast, share it on Facebook and invite others to the Facebook group RevMD. 